and welcome back to Still Loading, the podcast where we talk about the decline of everything, but mostly video games. My name is Aiden. And I'm Matt. And today we got a little treat for you guys. Um, throughout the you know this whole season, we've kind of ragged on multiple communities, multiple games, multiple sales practices, um, all kinds of stuff. Um, so we're going to turn it around. Um, today we're going to tell you about some of our favorite games that people really did not like very much. Um, I know I have a couple on my list that you could probably even bring them up in a community and they'd be like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm going to have fun with that. Uh, but before we get started with that, uh, I have a just a small kind of like gripe I want to talk about. I think you have something you want to talk about too. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, so I'll go ahead and go first. Uh, it, so like, like I said in the last few episodes, um, I definitely put a lot of research before I talk on this podcast. You know, I try and stay current. Um, gonna bitch about something i want to know i have all the facts first i don't like being that half-assed kind of like whatever um a really big topic right now has been remakes um a couple of remakes were announced um and then a couple of remakes were not re-announced and people were really pissed about that like uh i know a lot of people are butthurt there's going to be no bloodborne uh remake um and first off i don't really care about that um we've talked about how i feel about remakes on uh the episode about remake called remake hell um mm-hmm. so you can check that out so i'm not going to go too deeply into it but there are two things that worry me about how much the community is upset about this um the first thing being well i'll say so before i say that i'll say this what bothers me about it is they there's this really famous picture going around the internet right now um, of the last of us um, i love the last of us but it's showing you know okay here's the original here's the remaster and here's the remake that got announced they're currently working on this remake um there's an admitted difference in the quality mm-hmm. but not enough for me to lose my shit over um it just doesn't feel valid like why are you spending all this time and money making this game look so realistic instead of just working on other projects like why remake the same game again um obviously it's a cash grab but yeah this sounds more and more like see i didn't play that game mm-hmm. um i don't believe in the hype you should though like... no i won't do it that, that's been too highly recommended i know it sounds like i'm being a contrarian dick about it <laughs> but no I'm i not mean, gonna i can say this um just because i was right there with you um i had really not douchey but just very very like Their opinions were very mainstream, I'll say. Okay. Not that's not like a hipster douchebag, but it's like it's like listening to a BuzzFeed article and they would talk. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they went on and on about was like, oh, The Last of Us is super good. And I was like, yeah, so I hear, but I'm not going to fucking play it. No. Um, I was in the same boat, but I played it and I got to say, it's worth the hype. Mm-hmm. Um, I have feelings about the second one. I'm not going to talk about that, but uh don't like that one very much. But the point I'm getting at is like, it's just, it doesn't feel like it's valid. Why do this? Mm-hmm. Um, and this kind of, huh? Because yeah, it works, man. Like, like we talked about in the last episode, like my main, my main complaint is we're talking about dangerous precedents. Skyrim has set that down saying that we can re-release the game four or five times and people will pay for it every time, especially if it has the following that I, I was going to say that it seems to have, but the following it definitely has. So you can, you can get away with it. Like I said, yeah. another dangerous precedent laid down. Yeah. I, I mean... So uh, I'm a big Dragon Quest fan. It used to be called Dragon Warrior before they had to change the name. Like that's how much of a fan I am of that franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, back on like Nintendo, basically, or I, I think not even yeah, just regular old Nintendo was like the first Dragon Warrior game. 
Um, and then uh, after Dragon Warrior 6, it became Dragon Quest. Or no, I think after Dragon Warrior 7, it became Dragon Quest 8. That's the one I played, I think. Yeah, so that's that's actually a long franchise. Um, but there was this whole thing where they got sued, basically, and had to, they were forced to rebrand. So it became Dragon Quest instead of Dragon Warrior. Um, but so I think it's like Dragon Quest 11 came out like a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And there's already a remaster of it. And I'm like, that game was on PS4. Like, it looks fine. Like, why would you remaster it? I don't... What? Yeah, <laughs> um, and it just... It blows my mind. And, like, this is along the same lines. Like I said, admittedly, if you look up the picture, yes, there's a vast difference. Um, because we're looking at PS3 graphics versus PS4 graphics versus PS5 graphics. That is the difference. Mm. Um, and I get that. It's just not a big enough deal for me to care. And what this kind of leads into for me is like my second thing is that something I have hated hearing throughout all my years of gaming is when people bitch and complain and moan about a game not being realistic. This isn't realistic enough for me to care. Um, This concept is too unrealistic. Like this is stupid. It's not realistic. The whole point of games is it's not realistic. Yeah. And I worry more and more about the franchise, or I guess not the franchise, the, what's the word I'm looking for, the, I honestly have no idea, the gaming as a whole basically. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm fucking blowing my mind here. <laughs> <laughs> gaming as a whole, uh, is it going to get to this point where people have lost sight of like what fantasy was? Like, you know, are we going to get to a point where we have to have these mega, super realistic games constantly mm-hmm. and that's going to be the only thing acceptable like I, I genuinely worry about that as we get deeper and deeper into this remake hole where like that's a lot of the big difference it's like they're just being remade to look more realistic and I get it with a game like Last of Us it's humans mm-hmm. okay sure games like Resident Evil sure it's humans fine whatever but it just it does I don't think it's as big a deal as it needs to be and it just it it really worries me this is just a thought I'm having I'm, I'm worried about the future because you know, as we talked about in the last few episodes, like as games get more realistic and you start stretching those graphics and you start pushing it really, really hard, the game quality has gone down tremendously. Mm. And if this is the new quota where it has to be quote unquote realistic, is creativity going to be dead? Can we not have like a cool, like, look at this weird fucking like alien race I made because why not? It's like, oh, it's not realistic. You're right. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, it just, it worries me. And, I don't, know, I don't know if I'm alone in this. If, if you, if any of you feel that way, like, let me know. Like, I, I, this might be a me thing. Mm. I might be overthinking it. I have no idea. But I, I genuinely worry. I think realism has its place, for sure. Um, if you're going to play, like, uh, like Forza, for instance, that game is meant to be a driving simulator. It's meant to be super realistic, and that's a great, no pun intended, that's a great vehicle for that. But no, mm. like sometimes you want to play like the uber badass who does like five backflips and stabs you in the head with a knife like that that is also playing video games is an opportunity to step out of oneself and do something that you couldn't normally do in real life so yeah i I think i think your concern is warranted i don't think every game needs to be like mathematically quantified can i do this well sure you can it's you know it's it's a it's a fantasy world made by someone so yeah i mean um I'm sure we've all can relate to this. We've had that like, uh, like, what would you be in like this world, or like, what would yeah. you be in like this show, or like whatever. Um, you know, the the thing with all those kinds of arguments, or like not arguments, like discussions, basically, mm-hmm. is like, 
well, yeah, in that world, I'd be capable of that. So sure, I would want to do this. I would mm-hmm. try and do that. Like whatever, you know. Like I think I'd be this kind of character in that universe or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's that's the fucking point. Like it's like you said. Like it's you're stepping outside of yourself. Like I may not be able to do a fucking backflip in real life, but it's fucking cool, and I can do it in a game. Like yeah, totally. I just <laughs> yeah, it's it's not it's not a. Uh, I don't I don't think it's positive direction moving in games, and you're kind of putting creativity in a box there, like. Well, what what is possible in this universe? Like, it, it's not this world, man. Like, and, and that's all the justification I ever need for something. Or, you know, in the conversation you, you were talking about, like, that you have with other people, like, who would you be in this universe? Like, I, I feel like as long as you're playing along with the rules established in that world, you're fine. So I, I, I wish game developers would lean into that a little bit, you know? Like, m- maybe you can do these things. Maybe you can defy these physics because it's already established in the universe. Don't be afraid to go there, basically. Yeah, I mean, every good idea, like, came from stepping outside the box. Totally. Like, I'm a big fantasy nerd. Like, a lot of the things that Tolkien conceptualized, they were the first of its kind. Mm -hmm. And now look at them. They are mainstream media things. Totally. Like, there's a thousand variants of elves. There's a thousand variants of orcs. Like, there's all kinds of stuff that... You know, that was the original, like, hey, I'm stepping outside the box, I'm doing this. Like, same Dungeons and Dragons, you know, like, obviously, like, most things, they drew from Tolkien, but now you have, like, Dark Elves, which is, I think there was something in Lord of the Rings about that, maybe, or the Summerillion, but I don't know for sure. Uh, tainted Elf Race, uh, that's what the Elves of Mirkwood uh, okay. became, yeah. and also uh, Goblins, technically, are, are either Goblins or Orcs, damn, it's been a while since I've read, but same. Yeah. They're, uh, they're Twisted Elves. Yeah, they they've basically fallen into dark power, but I, I think the Forgotten Realms does it better. Yeah, I mean that's that's just kind of the point, you know. Just, yeah. just step outside the fucking box, it's fine. Mm-hmm. And I mean the the last thing I want to say, just along those lines as well, is like uh, even tabletop gaming has gone that direction where this game built on fantasy. This game built on like I want to not be myself for a couple hours. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's all these new rules for like wheelchair accessibility and things like that. And it's like that's fine, man. Like if your character's in a wheelchair, great. I don't think it is it's needed though. Right. I you know, like why why, I guess. I don't know. I understand representation's a thing, but you know. Totally. Like I I believe everyone has the right to feel represent like to feel represented, but at the same token you shouldn't force someone to to to, to you know, I, I have a friend who uses a wheelchair pretty often. Um, none of the characters she plays deal with that limitation because that's not the character she's playing, you know, like, yeah, it, it's almost like feeling like, oh, well, you know, that's that step of realism. Like, oh, well, I mean, but you are IRL. So why wouldn't you be in the game? It's like, no, screw that. Yeah. Like, I, again, I don't feel it's necessary. Like totally great. If that's the way you're wanting to role play, but you shouldn't make it, feel like everyone has to do it that way yeah and that's that's a better way of what i was trying to say basically is like i think it's again it's great Mm -hmm. but i don't i I guess my problem is i hear a lot about like oh let's make it enforced let's make sure it has to be part of the main rules constantly like that's that's kind of what i mean so i I just worry about that like and so i'm a big fantasy nerd like i want fantasy to be fantasy i don't like real life very much when i you know take a look around so yeah no you know i i I could be in a fantasy world. I'd love to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But that's all I got to say about that. Like I said, short and sweet. I just, 
I worry about the future. So. Yeah, same. Um, I've been concerned about the future for a while, uh, hence that break I took. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm coming off. Yeah. I'm no longer on the break. No, two video games have pulled me out of the hole. Um, one of which is uh, Total War Shogun 2. I'm on this real big uh, Japanese war kick, I guess. Like, not so much the you know anime side of things or things like that but like like Japanese history basically and like their warfare and things like that and that game totally scratches that itch for me it's the most complicated RTS I've ever played yeah like there's a campaign version where it's all turn based oh, so wow. yeah so when you set your economy when you end your turn everybody gets you know a chance to operate within that time so it, it, it moves through the seasons of the year and like your economy will grow based on the decisions you made in that turn and like your army will grow or may not grow yet because it takes more turns to generate these units anyway it's to the point where you can set diplomatic relations with other clans to try to take on like did you ever play risk the board game yeah i hate risk but imagine that with a thousand more rules well i should clarify i hate risk because the rng I, I hate the strategy can be sound but then the dice fuck you so yeah, no, imagine taking the dice out of it. Yeah, uh, that's enjoyable. Yeah, I actually have a board game similar to Risk, that is. Uh, I call it Risk Without the Dice, pretty much. Really? It's, it's, it's kind of the same concept, um, but it's, it's a Forgotten Realms game. And oh, neat. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's called Lords of Waterdeep. And, uh, really? Yeah, so the whole dealio with Waterdeep is like all the lords are constantly vying for power to like be the one true ruler of Waterdeep, basically. Okay. Um, and so it's a it's a game of subterfuge basically. Um, okay. You so you are you pick a lord at the beginning of the game, and depending on the number of players, it's either completely random or you'll get like three cards and be like out of these three, I want to be this lord, whatever. Cool. Um, and so each lord has a special agenda. It'll say like at the end of the game, um, you get bonus points for how many of this quest you completed or how many of this thing you own or like whatever. Okay. Um, and that's the point. It's like you're supposed to. You don't tell anyone who your lord is. It's completely a secret, and that's you cool. just try and you know do what you gotta do around the board to get the bonus points and also get points as you do it. Um, it's it's very like territory control. It's like sometimes you uh, basically each round you assign um, agents mm-hmm. to uh, acquire materials from like a an inn or a castle or like something like that um and then the main thing is like you're recruiting adventurers basically so um you pick up these quests and so you can't assign the quest until you have the right number of adventures and so it'll be like hey you need three clerics and like five robes for this for some reason so you have to gather that on the board to complete your quest neat and like if people are paying attention be like i've been noticing you're going after robes lately so i'm gonna go after robes now and like great fuck you you know perfect okay so that's a tangent. Sorry, but no, you're good. No, uh, I think tabletopping is a game too. So I, I think it fits in this podcast. <laughs> Sue me. Uh, no, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So well, may or may not have episodes planned around that. <laughs> oh, maybe. Um, one of the things I really think is cool about this is like the amount of detail spent on it. Like, if you invest in like your one of your cities that you've conquered, if you invest in like a sake house, you can recruit ninja. Mm-hmm. to go do tasks and move across the, the, the map for you and it's kind of like the game you're talking about you pick a clan and that's the clan you roll with every clan has bonuses um, that's the clan you roll with and you're basically all competing to be shogun of Japan and you have up until 
this year to get that done. And as turns progress, you'll get missions to level two. Like um, the clan that I'm playing, when you drop in, there's basically an uprising happening in your own territory. So you gotta go put that shit down real quick before you can move any further. Um, people will be born into your family and you have to like choose like, oh, well they're gonna grow up and be a general. Should I make them the heir of my clan? What job should I give them as a general? Are they gonna be finance? Are they gonna be a warrior? Like all this, like there's so much to manage. And it it's such a break for me from playing things like uh, action RPGs and stuff like that. It's it touches a very different part of my brain. Yeah. And that, that, that to me is very enjoyable. So that's one that I've been playing. And oh yeah, so it's turn based when you're on the map. Okay. And then when you go into battle mode you have to like mobilize your armies and move them across a field and like pay attention to your terrain and stuff like that. Like cause archers can hide in the woods and you can run your guys down hills and get like bigger advantages. Uh there's a RTS game called Wargroove that uh mm-hmm. it's it's a really popular game before that mm-hmm. i can't remember what it's called but uh we're like similar thing like it's turn-based when you're doing your turns but then like it, it is like a mobilizing your armies and like a certain um certain units basically get bonuses from fighting with other units and so it's like yeah. you want to position like those group of units on like one area to make sure you get the maximum damage and stuff like that yeah um it's super strategy heavy um so I, I know what you're talking about. Like, um, I'm not. I typically don't like those kinds of games, but every now and then, yeah. Like, I just if it's interesting enough, like I'll, mm-hmm. I'll go for it. It's also a very delightful um, art style. Like, it's uh, I wouldn't say eight bit per se, but like it's it's in the same vein of like those old Nintendo games. Basically, is what like it looks 16-bit. like. Yeah, like nice. it's, it's it has that same art style, but it's it's charming. I like it a lot, and it's it's fun. So yeah, that sounds like fun, man. Uh, this is, uh, I know we just talked about this, but this is all realism based. Yeah. Um, because it's, you know, supposed to be warfare. Yeah. And that, that to me is, like I said, it just, it hits me in a different place and it's not as frustrating. Like I know if I fail or if I do something wrong, it's, I don't feel like the game is working against me. I feel like I made an error and and I'm paying for it. I'm paying for it in literal lives at this point. Like. That does feel good. We, I know we talked about that a little bit in the artificial difficulty episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, it, it does feel nice when you can just say, like, oh, I fucked up. Totally. Like, I need to do better. Or, like, oh, I see where I fucked up there. Like, next time I'll try this. Yeah. Like, that feels good. That feels like growth. It does not feel like you are slamming your head against a fucking brick wall over and over again and hoping that RNG favors you. Yeah. <laughs> um, because, you know, like I said, there's, we've played a lot of games like that. Like we talked about in that episode, we're like, that's exactly what it is. You have to hope this enemy will not do that move at this time, the yeah. next time you fight it. Um, yeah, no, I know what you mean. Like, it's it's definitely refreshing. It feels it feels really good. Uh, the other game I've been playing is uh, Sekiro. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that, that's been a, um, again, a more step back into action RPGs and stuff like that. Um, I was very harsh on this game the first time I owned it. Very harsh. And it's because it, at the time, it's not what I was looking for. I was in the wrong place. But again, I'm going through this whole like obsession with <laughs> Japanese culture. Mm-hmm. Again, some more. Hello, high school, Matt. Uh, it's a good one. You know, I was actually going to say, uh, in terms of realism, uh, you know, like I said, I don't love realism that much like mm-hmm. if a game is based entirely on like this realistic principle 
if it's written well sure you know um it depends what it is i can i struggle to think of them though that i've enjoyed like that um i think the closest for same day in like japanese you know history and stuff like that um i think ghost of shishima is probably like the the most normal game i've ever played yeah um just because like yeah there's like magic quote unquote in that game but like it's all superstition based but like, as you explore the legend you're like oh it was exaggerated but like hey here's this really cool armor still you know yeah no it's great i love that game yeah that's probably the most normal game i've ever played um i i like the fantasy flavor on all my stuff pretty much yeah i actually love seemingly normal things and you just sprinkle the fantasy on top of it and yeah. then it's like oh okay now this is really interesting so uh, yeah I, I know what you mean like yeah I'm, I'm glad you're liking sekiro i you might not think we actually do talk outside this podcast so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, i've been loving getting those texts like yeah, i'm really enjoying this like it makes me happy that's actually my favorite souls game like or souls like i guess yeah, it's, it's done really well. Um, the initial things that I realized I was knocking that game for um, make sense for the character. And, like, I didn't like that you couldn't get different outfits and stuff and that you couldn't get... Different... Well, you can now, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, lame. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not ever going to do that because, like, it makes sense. Like, for that character, it makes perfect sense. Like, no, why would he change his gear? Like, yeah. this is who he is, man. Like, it's perfect. Um, I'm really enjoying it. It's... Yeah, yeah, it's hard as hell, but um, I like it. I'm, I'm I'm boss walled, which is why I had to go find something else. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, the other night when you texted me like, "Hey, I hit that gatekeeper boss you were talking about," I was like, "Well, which one?" Just so I know. Oh like, yeah. Before I say anything, because I was like, "Ooh, nope, not yet." But you'll get there. Um, no. Um, I guess the first like big boy boss, mm-hmm. the dude on the horse. Yeah. Um, that fight got a lot easier when I started paying attention. Yeah. Like, oh, this dude is totally parryable. It's like, wow, I should just be doing this all the time. Yeah, you know, um, I I think I had that same experience a little bit, um, because I you know you're used to video games where like, you you expect certain things not to work with certain bosses. Mm-hmm. Where you're like, yeah, this works on fighting the normal guys, but on bosses it doesn't work. But like, no, I mean, almost everything you can do on the little guys work on bosses too and like the game is built around that and like that's really cool and so once you take a step back and you're like okay like i need to learn when i can parry with this guy like that's really fun Uh, learning the uh actually hanging out with that trainer dude Mm -hmm. and learning that when they do ground sweep attacks currently i don't know if you can get one but i don't have a parry for that Mm -hmm. so you don't need one Mm -hmm. you just jump and tap x again yeah and kick him in the face like how cool is that that uh that bull you were telling me you're fighting you can even parry that monster like when it charges you, you can it. yeah you can parry the horns like it's really cool yeah uh that and firecrackers man yeah that was, that was a... yeah beasts don't like firecrackers there's a tip you guys are stonewalled by a animal boss for whatever reason yeah yeah no i, I picked up that tip too um the place i'm stuck right now is the dude that lopped my arm off that is the gatekeeper boss yeah that is the boss that uh if you do not put everything you have learned so far to practice you will not beat that boss because he he is a bitch <laughs> yeah i can't um i just i feel like i'm not doing enough again and and that that's that was my still is my grinding point on elden ring like i feel like i am not parrying him enough and not hurting him enough like i'm having a hard time breaking my defensive and offensive windows so what i love about uh genichiro genichiro however you say it what I love about him the most, and he's not the only me that does this, but he does it the most, I think, from my experience. Um, I don't know if you've encountered this yet, but, like, if you react too soon to, like, what he's doing, 
he will change mid attack like what kind of attack he's doing mm. so like if you go like you can like mercury counter one of his thrust attacks yeah but when you see him winding up to do that if you go and like try and counter it too soon he instead does a side sweep instead like really? the ai is really good in that game and like it keeps you on your toes the entire time okay never once did i feel like oh this is predictable i i know when he does this i have to do that which is a gripe i've heard they're like oh it's just a rhythm game you just mm. know how to play like it is kind of a rhythm game but a rhythm game that you have to like you know keep the tempo going yeah if you relax you're gonna get killed pretty much yeah or all of your progress yeah you, you literally can watch it drain away um the other boss i'm stuck at is uh that butterfly chick oh yeah i get her to her second phase and then i just i feel like there's more to manage than i can manage mm -hmm. like because i have the item you need to dispel her illusions but uh like having to deal with that on top of everything she was doing before because i barely made it through the first phase before yeah and then i'm like god damn it i gotta do this again jesus christ okay if i remember right she only has like one health bar though on your second phase that's not yeah. too it's just it's it's hard for me like with that added element to yeah. put it all together again because like when i killed her the first time i thought she was done mm -hmm. i was like oh thank god and then nope you're not done yeah i i would say she's an optional boss technically but i think that she also is a form of a gatekeeper boss because i, I would say that getting sure you're meant to lose you obviously it's a typical mm -hmm. souls game you're meant to lose a tutorial boss um I would say that she is kind of a wall to the end of the tutorial, though. Because mm. that whole optional, like, dream world is kind of a tutorial. Okay. I, I, that's what it feels like to me. And so I think she's kind of like the, okay, now put it all together. Because, um, like, I, I, I think I texted you this, too. Like, you know, shurikens work really well on her because she is a very reactionary opponent. Mm. So if you go and swing your sword, like, she immediately reacts to it. But if you keep changing your moves up she gets confused and that's when you get your window to attack her basically right um and that's what all those skills you learn in that world is basically the stuff you need to progress is like you know shuriken attacks or like the mercury counter and like things like that so mm -hmm. my issues with her are um I, I again i the reason why i want to kill her so bad is a it's a vendetta thing at this point and b um i really really want the i, I want to hit harder yeah and that's the only way to do it like you got to kill those kind of bosses and i'm like motherfucker mm -hmm. i just yeah i just want to put her in a hole man <laughs> yeah uh genishiro was my first so i immediately liked the game um enough to continue my tradition of beating every the souls like tutorial boss mm -hmm. um so i started that game over over and over again to beat genishiro which was really fun um he is so much easier at the beginning of the game though <laughs> Um, I was, I was, yeah, I was genuinely surprised to find that because, um, I felt like I got really good at the fighting when I finally beat him in the tutorial. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, I can do this. Like, I remember how to fight him. No, not even, no. He's so much harder after that. Oh, uh, it's like he, he was using a fraction of his power. He, he was totally the anime badass villain. Like, he was using 10% of his power. Like, it's, it's insane. Um, but you know, with that boss, like, it was really rewarding to feel like I was getting better constantly. Mm -hmm. Like every time you get farther in the fight or every time you finally parry that attack that like you kept getting hit by, it's like, all right, I, can, I just got to keep the momentum builds, you know, like, so yeah, it got frustrating. I mean, tons of bosses in that game frustrated me, but it, it it's one of the few games I can say that as, as much as it aggravated me and I got frustrated, 
um, I was having fun the entire time. Yeah, I, I even grinding in that game because I, I did a fair bit of that. Um, also spent a lot of money on those talismans mm-hmm. just to have a huge backlog, so I don't ever have to worry about not being able to use my cool stuff. Yeah. Um, I think it's really cool that you can just buy those straight up. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, I'm happy to backtrack to kill that boss because I advanced farther than I should have. I went to the gun for it and did oh. <laughs> yeah well i had the right item for that yeah and i was like oh look this item is incredibly useful for here no spoilers but this is a very specific item you need to get through that place and i got it mm-hmm. and i killed the boss in there and it's like oh there's a locked door but i don't have the damn key where do you get the damn key oh you killed i had to look it up because i was <laughs> like there's no way i missed this mm-hmm. no way and i was like oh there's a boss here that i haven't yeah killed yet so that's fun. Fuck that guy. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, I would say that I'm fully back into the hobby, which has been nice. It's actually great we were talking about Sekiro because that's actually my first game on my list. Like games that I really love that people just like were not super into. Um, and I think part of it's the stigma of that game. Mm. Um, it wasn't Dark Souls 4 and that's what people wanted. Yeah. Um, well, also ironically enough too, like I think people just, they're very close-minded about it. You know, like they it's just a rhythm game or like it's just like... Well, once you learn the mechanics, like, it's really easy. Like, that's, mm-hmm. one, that's any fucking game. And two, um, knowing the mechanics and be able to execute the mechanics are very different things. Totally. Um, and I think, ironically enough, you know, you hear a lot of typical Souls fanboys be like, you know, oh, it's not a real Dark Souls game. No, it's not. I, that's why I like it, for one, but also because, like, I feel like it's the epitome of, like, get good, the, the credo of the Souls community. Mm-hmm. It demands you get good. And I think a lot of people did not rise to that challenge. I think that it was not Dark Souls enough to rise to the challenge. Mm-hmm. And it's that typical, like, you know, guy hitting on a girl, like, gets rejected. So I don't want your number anyway, bitch. Like, yeah. I think that's what it is. And Wow. Um, I, I felt this a lot more, too, because, like, I don't want to talk about Elden Ring at all. No, I'm going to say this one thing about it. Mm-hmm. As that game has come out things like this have come up where it's like i miss bloodborne i miss sekiro i miss this this and this man the hate for sekiro is alive every fucking twitter feed and the community forum i'm in over there i'm talking about this with people mm-hmm. man fucking guns are blazing like fuck that game it's not a real souls game fuck that game Elden rings a masterpiece fuck that game like yo all right <laughs> we know it's camp your own <laughs> yeah so that was my first game on my list really yeah so we kind of uh you know kind of talked about it already so jesus yeah um so first game on my list uh would be a gamecube game Mm, such a good 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 era of gaming yeah i'm actually going to talk about the game that uh, i'm going to talk about three games here all same series but i think they're relevant okay so the first game i'm going to talk about is actually from 64 it's the second entry into the franchise uh, which would be Star Fox 64. Mm. Fantastic game. I've talked about it a little bit here. If you haven't played it, please do yourself a favor. Carve out 45 minutes of your life and run through Star Fox. It's wonderful. It's just it, it's a great game. It's, it's one of my absolute favorites. So when it got a sequel for GameCube, people were like, oh, yeah, another Star Fox game. The thing is, the sequel was an RPG. Yeah, did you play Star Fox Adventures? I really wanted to. Um, I heard about that game after I sold my GameCube and all my stuff. Because of the situation I was at the time. So, like, 
Damn. I was like, wait, there's a Star Fox RPG, and like I I basically know Star Fox from Smash because I hadn't played any of the older games. Oh, dude. And so it it made me want to like learn about Star Fox. I was like, this character is really cool. Like, what's this game about? And so like, actually, that's one thing that Super Smash Bros. on uh sixty four did for me was like these Nintendo franchise characters I had never heard of before and I was mm-hmm. like well this is cool like I want to learn about this like oh I know who Link is but like oh yeah you know didn't know about the legendary Fox McCloud yeah oh, no dude dude's a legend I, I gotta say I love the Star Fox universe like I it's awesome yeah uh, so Star Fox Adventures comes out right completely flips the formula on its head people are like oh they didn't like it because it wasn't Star Fox 64 but then they actually played it and they're like oh this game is great because it was it was wonderful it's it's a beautiful game but then they flip the script a second time and they bring out a true sequel to well in gameplay a true sequel to star fox 64 another uh on rails flying shooting game with like all the cool like the landmaster tank and all that and the submarine they brought all that back for star fox assault which people hated because it wasn't a sequel to adventures and as far as I know, that series hasn't gotten anything after that because people just rejected Star Fox Assault. I thought it was great, but I am the only person that has that opinion. I, I would definitely play it if I can get a hands on like a, a way to play it. Um, like I said, I, I love the Star Fox universe. I, I just have not played a lot of the games. Um, I I actually I've played the one on Super Nintendo. I I think it's on Super Nintendo. Yeah, it's the original Star Fox. It's the very first one. I have played that one. Um, that style of gameplay not really my thing, mm-hmm. and that's kind of why I was excited about an RPG because that is my speed. And I was like, well, I'd love to find out about this and see what it's like. You know, it's kind of the same thing as a like I don't really like Mario. Like I'm not really a mm-hmm. Mario fanboy, but Mario RPG is fucking awesome. So I think. And knowing you like I do, adventures would be very much your speed. Uh, but just based on things we've talked about before, the real story of Star Fox is in the world. Yeah. Like these areas that you're flying through and things like that. Like the first level is uh, the capital city of uh, the Lilad system, which is Quinaria, and it's currently under attack. So you get to see like this city in destruction. That's cool. Yeah. And then like the, the, the bosses are really cool. And like, it goes from like that on like on rails um starfighter ask game to when you fight the first boss depending which direction you go Mm -hmm. when you fight the first boss you go to all range mode which means now you're flying like you you can go anywhere Mm -hmm. at that point and that's really cool that's always something fun to get like you get to that boss and you get to fly the r-wing any way you want you're like oh my god this is so cool um adventures has that a little bit when you go between different areas like different parts of the planet you do get to fly the R-Wing again, but it's not very in-depth. It's not like a... It doesn't feel like a real Star Fox level, even though the graphics are better. Yeah. Assault was just like the original Star Fox. It was like, oh yeah, we're going to do this some more. And I don't know why it didn't get the love. Because it, it, it's exactly what people were, at, were asking for before they got the RPG. I, I think it's kind of like just a little bit what we just talked about, like the these stories in the world, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, with RPGs, you generally get a better story. You generally get a better focus on the story. Totally. So I think that it's probably similar. Like, people really like the Star Fox universe, and so with the RPG, you got that. Mm-hmm. And then the other game didn't get it as much, and so that's probably why it got a bad reception. Oh, yeah, dude. I, you're probably hitting the nail right on the head. I mean, they even brought characters from uh, Adventures into Assault. 
And people, like, they just weren't into that. Like, I don't understand, man. I loved that game. I played the crap out of that game, and nobody seemed to like it but me. But What was the style of combat in Star Fox Adventures? Um, well, without spoilers, it's uh, very much like Zelda. Ooh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, it's an, it's an action RPG for sure. Uh, puzzle solving, um, minion stuff. Like, you, you work with a partner. Okay, all right. I'm not going to give you any spoilers for that. Yeah, game no, for sure. You need to experience Someday it. I'll play it. Uh, yeah, just let me get a copy of GameCube, and I'll let you borrow my whole setup. It's worth it, dude. It's worth the play. It's, it's really great. So I, I asked that, though, because th- this is more of a broad term I want to talk about on my list. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know why people hate turn-based RPGs so much. Um, it's mm-hmm. actually kind of like a thing where like the eye starts to twitch a little bit. Where I'm like, what do you mean you don't like turn-based RPGs? Like, what about them do you not like? Mm-hmm. I always ask that question. Like, what do you? What about them do you not like? And it's always this really vague, like, uh, it's slow or like blah blah blah. And it's like that's not a good answer. Okay. Um, mm. I I will never understand why people hate turn-based RPGs so much. Uh, two things about it for me especially uh the first one being kind of what we talked about last episode it's a formula you can't fuck up um and even that style of combat has evolved from like 10 years ago from Mm -hmm. 15 20 years ago it's evolved um you know if you you play persona 5 at all that's such a cool turn-based rpg like it's really fucking fun um and there's various ways turn-based combat has evolved over the years to become like you know half action or like half like kind of like QTE a little bit you know mm-hmm. um there's just all kinds of ways it's evolved but the one thing that has stayed the same is it doesn't fucking suck yeah no <laughs> like it's you, good. you can't fuck up that formula and then the other thing about that is that you it turn-based rpgs or turn-based games in general they allow you to appreciate the game a little bit more because mm-hmm. you're not just mashing buttons repeatedly and running through areas you gotta take the time to think like what attack do i want this person to use what attack do i want this person to use like oh this person's almost fucking dead do i do i risk attacking again or should i heal this turn yeah. there's there's a strategy element there as well as you know typically there's like a lot of cool like cinematic value to being like okay what's this attack do like wow that was really cool you know mm-hmm. Um, I just I'll never understand why people don't like turn-based RPGs. Like it's it blows my mind. Yeah, I, mean, I, I like I appreciate playing turn-based RPGs uh, for the semi-lax element you can get out of it. Yeah. Like, like you said, you can actually take a breath and be like, "Man, this is really neat." And like seeing like different stages and how they're represented in the turn, like uh, Legend of Dragoon, for instance. Oh. Like getting to see a little bit more, like a different angle in the world that you may not have had before. I thought that was really cool. Um, I also like the addition system. I think I would love to see more games do that. Shadow Hearts. Oh, they do additions there too. Sort of. Uh. <laughs> it's it's similar. Uh, there's a concept in that game called like the Judgment Ring system, mm-hmm. um, and basically when you do almost anything in that game, like a ring pops up, and then there's like spaces on the ring you have to hit when you do your stuff. And so same with attacking, same with using magics, even using items in the game. Like you, item ones are much easier, but um yeah that's what it is and like uh, a lot of the items you can get for your characters um there are ways to like manipulate the judgment ring to like kind of be like more risk more reward um where like uh in the second game especially but it it had it in the first game you can make your judgment ring invisible 
so you can't see the pointer at all. But if oh. you if you hit, it does double damage. So oh, really? like, there's all kinds of things you can do with that. Like, it rewards skill. Like, it's a it's a great game. I'll talk about that in a future episode. But yeah, it that's probably the only other game I've played like that. Well, that's awesome. I didn't know that it existed in anything else. That's one of my favorite things about all of these. Yeah, I'll happily let you borrow it if you got a PS2 still. Okay. Yeah, I'll happily let you borrow it. Both of them. Not okay. the third one. Third one's terrible. But <laughs> <laughs> We don't talk about the third one. Honestly, true. <laughs> oh, cool. I don't want to talk about the third one. Um, but yeah, that's just turn-based games. I don't get it. Uh, I, I don't. And I'm, I'm someone who loves both. I like action RPGs. I like turn-based RPGs. I like... Um, what would you even call it? Like, uh, I even like Disgaea. I like kind of like grid-based combat. Like, I'm not a big fan of tactics games, but some of them are cool. And Disgaea is one of them. I'm like, okay, this is cool. You know, I, I don't like silly characters. That's that's what I don't like about that series. I don't like penguins I, and shit. I love over-the-top stuff when it is focused on being over-the-top. When it's mm. not trying to pretend to be like badass, but also over-the-top. It like this is the vibe get with it or don't get with it i didn't get with it yeah and that's that's totally fine um but that's also what my favorite anime growing log on is like from start to finish like it's fucking hype and it's like this is the pace accept it or don't <laughs> nice yeah yeah i didn't get with that either <laughs> <laughs> that's okay <laughs> uh we'll stick in the same vein um i'll stay with gamecube on this there was a an rts style game that came out that um, this isn't so much that people hated it so much as no one was exposed to this game. I only know a few people that have played it, and that's Goblin Commander. Love Goblin Commander. Super great game, right? Yeah. Like, I've got some fun stories of Goblin Commander. Yeah, it's knacky, dude. Like, yeah. it's weird. It's out there. It was a completely fresh thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the only RTS-style game that I had seen on console at that time was uh, that 64 StarCraft port which you want to talk about things that don't exist <laughs> that's one of them like trying to take something so perfect and put it on console like just don't <laughs> stop it wasn't one of the warcrafts on console or diablo uh, diablo one was on ps1 it might have just been warcraft 3 or 2 i can't remember honestly but yeah, one of the Warcraft games on PlayStation, because that's how I played it, because I didn't do PC, and I'm still very much, I don't really do PC much anymore. But um, yeah, that's how I kind of experienced those games, was whatever was on PlayStation, pretty much. Yeah, so just, just don't. Like, <laughs> I got very upset with that game, because again, coming from playing it on, I, I've been playing StarCraft since I was in, was five years old. Like, that's when my sister got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she got it the year it came out in 98 and I got to fail at it for a long time um I really enjoyed it and then my mom was like oh my god I found it for rent for 64 and she tried to play it and I was like she has a really ill opinion of Starcraft now because that's how she played it I was like are you kidding me man like just just play it on computer (laughs) but yeah and then I got that game randomly. I remember exactly how I got that game. My mom was really big on eBay. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I remember eBay. Yeah, like she was really big on eBay. This would have been, God, I was in like third or fourth grade. Mm-hmm. And she asked me around for my birthday, and I said, I just, I just want a GameCube game. 
and so she found that one on there read some reviews or like read some information about it she goes okay let's try this out click showed me the picture of the game case and i was like yeah that looks that looks really cool like i like goblins and stuff <laughs> so she bought it and gave it to me for my birthday and i was like man this looks really cool i wonder what it's going to be all about and then i put it in i was like this is an rts game on console immediately like flash of fear i was like oh god i hope this game is cool turns out super cool yeah man uh one of my closest friends to this day still that was the first game we ever played together was goblin commander he uh he popped it into the playstation 2 he's like just try this out <laughs> i was like all right you had it on ps2 uh he had it on ps2 yeah that's so. awesome i didn't know shout that. out to my buddy lazaru <laughs> oh nice man big fat lazzy <laughs> um <laughs> he's actually really skinny that's why it name's funny um <laughs> uh yeah no <laughs> we, we we were honorable we never screen peeked mm. so uh yeah we, we were playing the competitive mode and like one of the funniest like matches we ever had was uh i was playing those like stone goblin guys stone crusher clan yeah, yeah um so i kept like pouring all of my resources into summoning like the giant like golem things basically yeah, that eats them. <laughs> yeah and so i'd send my golem to fight his front gate and i'd be like just go deal with that um, and then I would like stealthily like create like little foot soldiers and I sent them around the mountain to attack his village from the other side <laughs> <laughs> and like I just kept again playing all my resources like are you trying to kill my golem like I made another golem yeah, <laughs> just send it so right back um, and I'll always remember the time he like uh, he's like wait why is that thing broken and he looks at me and he's like you son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> and he just sees my guys crawling all over his village like blowing shit up <laughs> I win <laughs> yeah um the other story was I lost, but I lost heroically, I want to say. Um, like, I was able to keep him... It was kind of the same thing. Like, I was using all of my resources to keep him out of my village. Mm. Um, and previously, I had launched, like, a really premature assault on his village with, like, Oops. my people. Um, and so it it didn't turn out the way I was hoping for. I only blew up, like, one of those town or one of those, like, buildings. And I was like, fuck. Um, Damn it. So, like, uh, I fought off his, like, assault... And he's, like, making new guys to send him over the mountain to fight me. <laughs> um, and uh, I was like, you know what? I'm going to meet you in the battlefield. <laughs> and so I sent my guys out of my village into the mountain to meet his guys. Oh, no. Um, and, like, it was down to, like, I had, like, three goblins left. And, like, they were hanging in there for whatever mm -hmm. reason. And we both, like, stopped. And he's like, what the hell is that? Because I had one of those drummer goblins. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and I was like... That's the sound of hopeless. Because <laughs> this over the mountain ridge came like rubber goblin just banging his drums. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so that was one of my favorite matches. I lost heroically, I feel. Oh, yeah. You, you went out like a boss, dude. <laughs> yeah. Legendary. Uh, so, yeah, I love that game. That game's yeah, great. It's, it's what I mean, I have a copy still. So, yeah. if you ever want to get down. Like, oh, man. I'd love to, yeah. I still yeah. have that same copy that my mom got me. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. See, I play on PS2, so. Uh, Maybe different experience a little bit, but yeah. Uh, possibly, yeah. It's, I mean, I played through that game again, like, uh, it was like way before I took my break. So, like, probably like six months ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I played through it again and I was like, still holds up. Mm -hmm. Like, this game is still awesome. Like, it looks like shit on a flat screen, but. Yeah, that was the issue with trying to play your old gym of video games on, like, newer technologies. Like, it, it really does become, like, a hobby. It's like, okay, I need to get an old TV. Uh, this old TV sucks up so much power to run it, but you know what? It looks good at least. Oh, yeah. So, God damn, why is this thing so hot? Yeah, right? <laughs> I, could heat a, I could heat a small bedroom with one 
Yeah, it's know. fucking 70 pounds. And, like, it's just a space heater, pretty much. It's a small tangent. Do you remember what it was like when it was a big deal and someone was like, hey, dude, can you come help me move a TV? <laughs> yes. Yeah, you remember, like, I, I think about that every time I pick up my 32-inch. I'm like, I, I, could, I could carry this under my arm yeah. out of my house. If I, I could carry to. my TV over there under my arm. Like, it's not that big. No. It's not. I mean, not maybe not under my arm, but, like, I could lift it yeah. myself, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the day, hell no. You need, like, two friends and a six-pack, and you might get that motherfucker upstairs. Yeah, man. That was, like, worse than moving a couch. <laughs> like, I would much rather help somebody. Because TVs are... The weight is in all the wrong places. Like, that's all I'm going to say. And the shape, too. Like, yeah. the, the couch, you can just kind of, like, try and get through a doorway, and, like, that's annoying, sure. Mm-hmm. But, like, fucking, like, half the TV fits through the door, but then it's fucking ass on the back, like, won't fit in. So you try and turn it around, like, oh, no, too wide. Can't fit through the fucking door. I remember one time we... uh we opened the window to like pick it up over the windowsill and like put it in that way because oh it God. was not fucking going through the door. Yeah, dude, inevitably you always smash your fucking fingers mm-hmm. on the door frame. That is how I know I helped somebody move a TV. I'm like, oh, yep, my knuckles are bloody. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, Goblin Commander, that's <laughs> that's my second choice. Yeah, speaking of uh, going back to the Star Fox thing, um, I have kind of a trio I want to talk about. Um, and I, I feel like I just need to reiterate, um, we're not saying these games are all amazing, mm-hmm. great memories, great concepts, whatever. Not all these games on my list, at least, are going to be like, this is perfect, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, I just don't think it deserves the hate. So this is one that's really spicy. You bring this up, people are be like, are you fucking serious? And that is the Final Fantasy Thirteen trilogy. Um I don't think I've heard a single good thing about any of those games from anybody, not even people who like Final Fantasy. Um, I never played it. So there's same things you always hear, like, oh, like it was a three-part game, so that's fucking stupid. Or like, uh, oh yeah, Final Fantasy Thirteen's a really pretty hallway. It's so linear, like that's all it is. You just you fucking like run down a hallway, cutscene, fight, run down a hallway, cutscene, fight, whatever, fine. Um, each game in the 13 trilogy brought a fresh new perspective to every aspect of the game three different combat styles three different gimmicks um sometimes the same gimmick but reworked to work in a or function in a different way um each all three of those games were very unique in terms of story in terms of what you could do um it was great um and yeah it's got its problems it, it definitely became really grindy after a while which was really annoying but um I don't think they're the the terrible, horrible games people call them out to be, because kind of like I talked about in the last episode, like if you focus on like one or two things and like make sure those aspects are good, mm-hmm. the game will probably be good. Um, the game may have been linear, but combat was fun. The story was super cool. Obviously, it looked great because back then, of course, um, I think they look good even now. Honestly, like are those three sixty releases or. PS3 they releases. they were on 360 as well. I think they're some of the only Final Fantasy games that got a 360 release. But that generation, though. Yes, yeah. Okay. I think they look good even for that. Um, so yeah, I just I don't know. I, I just hate hearing like people be like those games are fucking stupid. Like, or those games look terrible. Or like, those games are just so fucking linear and boring. It's like you're you're not appreciating them. Like, look at the story. Look at what's happening in all three games. And all three games have a very different feel, by the way. But they all work together in a weird way. Like, it's some weird, tiny, whiny bullshit. Like, Final Fantasy, you know, logic, basically. 
but all three are super fucking cool. The soundtrack's amazing. Um, is that the one with lightning? Like yes. Final Fantasy Thirteen, and then Lightning Returns is another installment of it. Lightning Returns is the third one, so it's Final Fantasy Thirteen, then Thirteen Two, and then Lightning Returns. Oh, cool. Um, and so in Thirteen Two, uh, they basically like doubled down on the combat system from the first game mm. and reworked it a little bit and like made it a little more interesting. Um, you get two static party members, but then there's uh, the whole thing with that was like you can like recruit monsters onto your team basically. Oh, cool! So like that was super interesting. Yeah, um, and it was it was so cool, especially the second one because like so basically you, you find out like as spoiler free as possible you find out that you fuck up in the first game basically mm-hmm. and create like a paradox Oops. and so in the second game all these weird paradoxes are showing up um and it's affecting the timeline and so the big thing with that game is like going to these different points in time basically and like figuring out like okay so like this happened like a hundred years in the future because this happened a hundred years ago so how do i fucking fix that um Mm. and that's the whole game and it's really fun that sounds like fun yeah and you get to see like all these different characters and kind of like what happened and like immortality plays a really big part in the 13 universe because of how the deity system is structured Mm. so like you know you might go a hundred years in the future but some characters are still alive so you'd be like oh what happened to that character like oh okay they're a dick now great Um, (laughs) or like oh like they you know there uh there was like one i think is like deified like there's a character from the first game who becomes like a, a big deal in like the church basically and you're like how the fuck did that happen yeah. um it's super cool man um and then the third game is just about you find out what caused the paradox in the second game at the end of it mm-hmm. and then the third game is about lightning trying to fix the entire timeline basically and like okay so we gotta make the thing that happened in the first game not happen anymore Oh, but also we gotta save the current timeline because it's gonna explode. And so if we don't save the current timeline, I can't save the I can't prevent the thing that happened in the first timeline. So like Jesus. It's it's really fucking overly complicated, but like the On plot's purpose. really cool. Yes, the yeah. plot's really cool. And it's got this uh system where uh you have seven days to save the world pretty much. And then so you can also go back in time after you've like done a certain thing up to a certain point and be like, Okay, I saved this person, I'm gonna go back in time now. And you go back in time, and you're like, okay, since I saved that person, this part of the timeline's corrected now. And so you get different items, or like you can do like a, you continue a quest sometimes that like, that person was a gatekeeper for whatever reason. So mm-hmm. like, because you help them out, they're no longer blocking you, and you can finish your quest. It, it's it's super cool. Like, That sounds super rad. Yeah, but that whole trilogy's awesome, but because of it being linear, or because of it being, you know, uh, I think a lot of people are just pissed off it wasn't Final Fantasy thirteen versus like it was originally gonna be, but it's just it just doesn't get enough credit. I, I think it's really good. Well, it sounds like a lot of fun and I've yet to play a Final Fantasy game that I detest. Yeah. So I mean there's that. <laughs> yeah, so that might be cheating getting like three games at once, but Oh, I'm about to cheat too. Oh okay, go go for yeah, it. Cool. Um I this is a pretty hot take and if as it's been pointed out to me, if you're a true Castlevania fan, mm. yeah, oh. you're not allowed to like these games. Mm. Um, I do. I love them very much, and that's the. I know what you're gonna say? Oh yeah, it's the Lords of Shadow one and two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I thought they were both awesome games. Yeah, good story. Like, not at all Castlevania, mm-hmm. like that we know and love, but 
I, I thought a fair shake at, at a reboot or, a, or a, yeah, a, a true blue reboot. Um, I thought the games were really, really fun and cinematic to play. Um, they didn't tone down the gore at all, which was awesome. Like, I, I, to me, it was a better version of God of War, and I, and I still kind of feel that way. Um, I like a lot of the, uh, the way they handled things, like having Patrick Stewart narrate the mm-hmm. entire first game. Fantastic. Uh, the combat, awesome. I liked being able to make Gabriel do cooler and cooler shit. And then, no spoilers here, but the twist. Mm-hmm. ending for the first game going into the second game awesome second game even better than the first yeah I, I think just to avoid spoilers like I agree um, I think the story concept was interesting I think it was executed poorly um, it became kind of cliche to me after a while I was like of course that would happen kind of thing yeah um, and then I thought the gameplay honestly was just it was like a patchwork horror monster like it pulled like popular mechanics from multiple different games mm-hmm. and i just again kind of like i was saying like the games it pulled that mechanic from um it was centralized to make that mechanic really good and with the lords of shadow games like it was like a bunch of different gameplay mechanics at once and like they did not get the same level of care from the games they were ripped from basically i just don't think they were smooth or like kind of you know just executed right i guess that's the whole thing like Mm. i would say the whole game to me both of them was just like it's not executed right i think that there was something there but yeah just i i i all i can say is i really enjoyed them i enjoyed um having to get different features for him Mm -hmm. to solve different problems and then like things that previously were unreachable like getting the studded chain so you could ride monsters yeah fucking awesome i'm like oh that makes a lot more sense or like now i don't have to slog through this entire level i can basically shortcut it Mm -hmm. because i've got this ability or that thing i couldn't get before because i didn't know how to get up there and it looks like i should totally be able to get up there and then you get something new and you're like oh dude totally i can get up there now yeah it's like remember that and like the completion percentage for every level would be like oh you didn't get something here and you know what that something is i'm like how the fuck do i get that like just the replay for that being able to go all the way back and like 100% every level and I I really really liked the first one a lot the second one I thought was also great too yeah that's totally fine I I I don't think I have like a disdain for them but like I I just don't did not like them I had so much fun with both of those games that's that's awesome like hey as we talk about like it's good to have those feelings like yeah like that's kind of this episode's about you know yeah I'm you know, obviously, guy picking up skin. I'm not gonna let anybody change my opinion on that. Like that game was fun. I liked playing it. Uh, yeah. Again, I, I still own my copy of both, so I still play both. Uh, fun tangent on that. I've bought that sequel three times. Really? Yep. Did you play all the ones on like 3ds and shit? No, I never had a DS. Yeah, I didn't either, and I was actually really annoyed that they had side stories on different like handheld devices mm-hmm. i'm like fucking just make a game god damn it yeah like the mirror fate yeah just i think it's like two games yeah, are fate on. One and two. Yeah. yeah it's like dude just fucking make another console release come on you fucking cowards yeah. <laughs> yeah i bought um i bought lords of shadow 2 three separate times from gamestop and had to go back three different times to get the actual game <laughs> every time they, they put 
Lords of Shadow one in Lords of oh, Shadow two <laughs> every time. I get it like my dumbass. I don't look at the fucking. I look at the back of the disc and then I put it in the thing and take it home. I was like, oh my god, I could have saved myself gas had I just fucking looked at mm-hmm. the fucking game. Yeah, I don't do that. I was very upset the last time. I was like, can can I look at the disc, please? Before you put it in there, can I just look at it? Yeah. And, like, she wasn't about to do it again, which I was, like, really happy about. And then I had to explain the situation. Like, oh, yeah, we don't usually do that. These are usually really well labeled. I'm like, oh, shit, it's happened to me. <laughs> it's happened to me, I know. Um, I had that happen with uh, those Digimon games I talked about in the last episode. Oh, yeah, you get mixed up ones? Yeah, I... I ordered the second one online because i know no GameStop near me had it a physical copy like in their store mm. so i had to order it from fucking texas oh. um and so when i finally got it it took like 15 days to get there and i finally got it I'm like this is just the first game <sighs> yeah. send it back ship it back luckily they were really cool um and they actually expedited the actual game to me and they mm. were like hey you know what that's our bad you keep it um we're gonna send you the proper game and like i'm gonna expedite it for you as well and oh. i got it in like four days and i was like thank you <laughs> like yeah, good move <laughs> yeah that's that's some good range practices um kind of talking about console releases versus like handheld releases though um my next game is kingdom hearts chain of memories oh god oh there it is <laughs> i love that game um i i don't think any entry in the kingdom hearts franchise is bad um i actually like them all um I was tickled that they made a PS2 uh, remake of Chain of Memories, though, because I admit playing on a handhold screen is kind of difficult, but um, I love the card system. I, I love uh, cards in general, but I love the card system, man, and like, kind of like similar to like the turn-based thing I was talking about, like there's some strategy involved, and like it's not just mashing A. Mm-hmm. You actually have to think about, like, if I use this combo, is it going to work? Or if I use like this card right now, like there's value in, like, uh, like the zero card thing like it's either uh it's either a zero card or it breaks all other cards like it's either higher or lower than every single card basically mm. so sometimes you'd be like oh i have the zero cards it's like i have like three zero cards in my deck and it's like well these are good for like breaking combos so it's like oh they're using a combo on you that's fucking 45 and it's like ah oh, zero i broke it you know nah. there's strategy involved you know like i thought it was super fun man and it makes me sad for the re- the fact that it's not appreciated but also that a lot of people skip that game because of the card system and it's like it is a integral part of the story it sets the stage entirely for kingdom hearts 2 and it comes it makes a comeback over and over again in some of the other games that came out because it's like oh like we found out that about that in chain of memories now that mystery makes sense to me because mm-hmm. that's what kingdom hearts is it's a delightfully complex story um kingdom, chain of memories is so important and it just it makes me sad people don't like it yeah well, it's just not like battle card games like even Okay, probably gonna get crucified here, but uh, I don't play Gwent in Witcher Three. Really, I love Gwent. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't care about like, like some people have like myself included. I don't play tabletop games on a computer, and I don't play card games on a video game. I'm <laughs> sorry, like that just does not compute for me. They have Gwent as a physical game you can play. I see. I'd play it's, that. It's very expensive, so I've not bought it yet. But I play the shit out of that. I did play the shit out of it. It's very fun. <laughs> yeah, with a friend, I would do that with a friend I love Gwent man I love Gwent no dude like to me I've already beat that dead horse in a previous episode but (laughs) that's fine I just I don't care (laughs) I'm not trying to be I'm not trying to catch them all 
mm-hmm. in, in the Witcher world. Like, and it got its own standalone. Like, I don't like the standalone game. Um, it took what was fun about Gwent and made it just like modern Yu-Gi-Oh or modern Magic. It fucking sucks, and I'm not happy about it. Yeah, I won't play it. I won't. I I have not played that version. But Gwent inside the Witcher, hell yeah, I'll play Gwent inside the no. Witcher. <laughs> I will not. I'm I'm here to. Dude, sometimes I just turn on the Witcher to play Gwent. Like I love that game. <laughs> no, no, man, I don't care. <laughs> I'm here to slay monsters and get money, and you know the chicks that come with that. <laughs> Both of them. <laughs> yeah, no, screw that, man. I don't. I don't. I don't play RPGs to play card games with them then. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that's my half baked hot take for today. No, that's fine, man. What's next for you? Uh last one I have to talk about is just a game I feel like I glazed over super hard. Uh and that was Resident Evil Zero. Oh yeah. I is my first installment for Resident Evil, so I got a lot of nostalgia there. But um I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, introduction of new characters uh, the knife combat <laughs> to me was cool like you could totally use the knife to kill zombies uh, the fact that again young and very impressionable I was like ah oh, dude with the mullet and the tattoos and the zippo like that's fucking cool man <laughs> like that guy's a real hard ass before <laughs> I could say hard ass <laughs> like I don't know I just I really enjoyed it but going back and talking to like Resident Evil fans a lot of people don't like that game mm-hmm. a lot of people don't play it uh, like I believe it was also exclusive to GameCube a lot of GameCube titles today um, but I, I definitely don't think it's one to miss I think it's it's really fun um, exploring the mansion is awesome the train is awesome mm-hmm. like it's just cool shit and it makes me sad like to me that was peak Resident Evil formula like did you ever play three? Yeah. Yeah. Basically, if you didn't have grenades, Nemesis was fucking impossible. Mm-hmm. If you had squandered your grenades throughout the game, you're fucked. Mm-hmm. And that to me was like, was like the what do you call that kind of game? It's like everything is incredibly limited. Oh yeah, like it's the classic. Like it's what a true survival horror should be. Yeah. It's like, like a. It's what Silent Hill does really well. Yeah, I remember like, I remember it being a big deal when I like found like four shotgun shells. I was like, oh my god, I'm like, I've got like two herbs in my suitcase and I've got four shotgun shells. I am fucking god right now. Okay, nothing can hurt me right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's that's like my opinion on on zero. I think it was like my introduction to that, and then I played uh, Resident Evil Four after that. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, You don't like 4? I do. Okay. But to me, it was so different. I was like... Yeah, ammo builds like fucking everywhere in that game. And that's that's yeah. kind of when... I like Resident Evil 4 too, and that's kind of... This is kind of like a double-edged sword here. Um, I got more into the Resident Evil games with 4. Mm-hmm. And when their predecessors, like 5, kind of became like more action-oriented... But at the same time, I do think it's a negative thing because it went away kind of like from the survival horror feel and more into the action hero feel, which was not what the games were about originally, you know. Um, I do think it's a step backwards, but I think the storytelling got better. So it's it's hard to kind of, you know, it's, it's good with the bad, basically. Uh, I think they did a really smart thing by casting such a wide net. Mm-hmm. 
and they caught a lot of new gamers and got them into that that franchise. Um, it, keep in mind, you're also recovering from the bombshell that was the movie. Yeah. Like, that they just continued to make. So you just yeah. got, like, yeah. if you're going to watch a Resident Evil movie, watch the CGI ones. Mm-hmm. Way better. They, uh... They actually recently made, um, maybe not recently. I watched it recently. Um, I believe it's just called like Resident Evil. I don't think it has a catchy title. I might be wrong about that, but um, I thought it was super good. Um, it's the only live action Resident Evil I've watched so far that I was like, this is super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really great because the, the behind the scenes they talk about, they're like, yeah, we really love the original game, so we wanted to make sure we were as faithful as possible to them. That's cool. And they talk about, like, well, yeah, we did change this part from the game for the movie to make it more sense for film. Um, so, yeah, that's why this was different. But, like, even the outfits, like, I fucking lost my shit when uh, the character playing Leon, because um, it's based on Resident Evil 1 and 2, I think. Cool. Um, when he put on his like you know tactical vest, I was like, "That's the outfit." Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the one. And he even had like the fingerless gloves and everything, and I was like, "Oh shit, dude!" <laughs> like that's the outfit. <laughs> that's totally awesome. Yeah, same yeah. with Claire. Like Claire had her outfit. Like they did a they did a great job of staying as faithful as possible. That's kick ass, man. Like I, would you watch this like streaming site or? I watched it on Amazon, I think. Cool. I have subscriptions, so I have to check it out. No, because like. I think it was Degeneration is the one that came out when I was in yeah, high school. Yeah, those are so cool. Yeah, I like yeah. the CGI ones. I think I just bought Degeneration actually. Uh, I got a super super weird reason for for watching Degeneration. Uh, it's because Crispin Friedman was in it. Oh he yeah. His a la carte. Uh, That's from Melting, and I was like, oh, I know that name. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I like Resident Evil. I hope this isn't garbage. And mm-hmm. I was like, wait, this wasn't garbage. It was really good. They did. I think just like the last thing I want to say about Resident Evil, um, I don't know if you're done or not, but just last thing I, I want to say it. about it, um, the movies had the exact same problem as the games, where uh, like one of the more recent ones I watched, <laughs> they moved really heavy in the action hero kind of like mm-hmm. feel of the movie, and it's got one of the worst gunfight scenes I've ever seen in it, and like. It's like, okay, I know what you're trying to go for, but this is fucking stupid. Like, oh, yeah. come on, man. Um, and uh, it's the same thing with games. Like, it just it moved away from its kind of like, this is what it is, you know? Because with Degeneration, I think that uh, it held the same atmosphere as 4. Mm. And then as they went more and more on, it became more like, you know, 6 and like 5 and stuff like that, which were still okay, but definitely not 4. Um, no, like, I will say 4 is definitely the turning point, like you were talking about. Um, but I'll say the same about the movies. I hate when something that is, like, so horrible, like, zombies were a serious problem in the first Resident Evil movie. Serious problem. Like, mm-hmm. trying to deal with people turning and stuff like that. By, like, movie 5 or 6, they're just a footnote. And I hate that. I hate that they're zombies because they they literally change the plot around where they're like, yeah, the dead come back to life. And it's like, okay, well, in Resident Evil, they're not zombies. Like, they are zombies, but mm. they're, they're a mutation. Those are base-level mutations of the T-virus. Yep. They are not the dead coming back to life. They are people infected with the T-virus. So it's like, you're completely fucking changing the thing. And like, yes, they can come back to life, sure. 
but that's not what they are. Like, that's not what the T-Virus does. And that whole fucking movie series, like, the dead come back to life. If you die, you're going to come back as a zombie. It's like... (sighs) Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. We're like over an hour into this, so um, I actually have a lot more games. I'm going to try and breeze through them, just to... Because some of them are small, um, just a little nitpicky. I have a lot to say about them. Some of them touch on them a little bit, mm-hmm. so I'll try and be quick at that. Um, I'll go for the... Let's see. Let's go through the fast one first, or the fast ones first. Um, I've talked about Biomutant already. Mm-hmm. I think it's a better fault than Fallout is. Um, it's upsetting to me. People don't like that game because they're bitching about the graphics, and they're bitching about the story. Um it's a wasteland game you just explore the wasteland that's what the game is it's it's better than bethesda trying to make a story that's Ooh. subpar I, I, the writing in bethesda is bad mm-hmm. i've already talked shit about that it's fine um <laughs> not gonna do that again but yeah biomutants literally about your surviving a nuclear wasteland scavenging it is focused entirely on that concept it is a true blue open world game, one I actually enjoy for that reason, because it doesn't try and lure me in. Like, here's a super serious story, mm. or be like, here's this really edgy thing. It's just like, just just have fun, man. Go explore yeah. the wasteland. Go, go enjoy yourself. Go make a fucking toaster sword. Just do whatever you want, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Biomutants one, uh, Dragon Age two. I, I know you don't like the Dragon Age series. Nah, um, it's not my flavor. It's not. I don't have anything negative to say. Oh, it's okay. just it's not for me. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it, Dragon Age Origins was pretty well received, Mm -hmm. um, Dragon Age 2 is shit on repeatedly for being kind of the same thing as Final Fantasy XIII, like, oh, it's linear, these are cookie-cutter dungeons, true, um, that's not a bad thing, though, again, um, they went heavily, I mean, the story's still good, all the writing on the game's still fucking awesome, um, they varied up your responses more so you can kind of respond like a human if you want to mm-hmm. um and then they up the combat level so like it's not just like a tactical just like point and click okay go do this or like uh you know it made it they, they kind of put it more in the action rpg kind of like category as opposed to like the tactical rpg i'm okay with that i actually uh don't like dragon age inquisition very much like in terms of what it is that's the the third one mm. um people love that game because guess what they went open world <laughs> that's exactly why i don't like the game i just don't think it was done well and had they focused on you know the right things it <sighs> watch your open world episode <laughs> yeah <laughs> um anything you want to say about this before i move on no keep going man um sonic forces um oh sonic i'm a true blue sonic fanboy for one thing and i fully admit that a big thing about sonic forces that appealed to me was the fact that you can make your own sonic oc Mm -hmm. and like i did that shit in middle school on like this i i wonder if that website's still around i can't remember what it was called but you you made your own character from sonic you picked what animal you were and you picked parts from other sonic characters like make your own fucking weird edgy amalgamation Mm -hmm. of a character i made so many sonic ocs like i I fucking love sonic man um i definitely got more into it when it became adventure and like that kind of like anime kind of like thing expanded yeah that's what made me really like it um you can make your own oc in sonic forces so that's one big fucking positive middle school me and on the inside very very happy um the music's fucking badass as always every song game is badass music 
Um, yeah. All the level design was super fucking fun. Like, I enjoyed everything about that game. And it just, again, like, I think it's the reason why they went Sonic Frontier. You know, it's an open world Sonic game. Because this game was not given enough love. Mm. People don't like this game for some reason. And I, I don't know why. I, I Again, I haven't played anything since Adventures. Yeah. And I loved Adventures. So. Yeah, I mean, if you liked Adventures, like, this is, like, next level. Like, this is... This is fun. It's that good good. It's the good good. Yeah, yeah. It's super fun, man. Um, so uh, another one's kind of like an older game um, on PS2. I played it on PS2. Um, it's called Okami. You know who that is? Okami, yeah. The wolf game. Yeah. That game's beautiful. And the, I liked it. Yeah. The, the concept is really cool. And like, it's a unique idea. And apparently it's one of the worst selling games of all time. And I'm like, what? Why? What? Yeah, people who like that game, apparently it's a cult following because, um, I mean, in my circle, I've only heard positive things about it, but yeah, in, same. in doing research for this video, I was like, wait, how does it fucking, like, really? Like, it didn't sell well? Like, what the hell? Um, yeah, apparently people What's don't like that love, game. dude? I have no idea. Not even a little bit. That sucks. That game was fun, dude. Yeah, it was a fresh perspective. You know, we talk about that a lot, like, wanting a fresh perspective. <laughs> Let's see how a mythical wolf gets on. Yeah, man. And, like, such unique combat and, like, puzzle solving. And, like, it was like playing a Japanese storybook. Like, it was fucking awesome, man. Yeah, I th I thoroughly enjoyed that game. Yeah, that greatly surprises me. Uh, I, Not I, that you enjoy it, that uh, it sold so well. Yeah, no, like, that sucks. Yeah, that was, that was uh, like I said, in doing research for this, uh, this episode, I was like, are you fucking serious, really? It wasn't even on my list originally, and I was just doing some research. I was like, wait, really? <laughs> did, did you ever play Yoshi's game? Yoshi's Story? I played Yoshi's Island. So Yoshi's Story was a 64 game that came out that we found at a pawn shop and bought. And that game was interesting, man. But I, I've met very few people who have played it. It's, it's weird, for sure. It's like... Uh, it's like paper cutout backgrounds. That sounds familiar, actually. Yeah, so like the backgrounds move and stuff. You can beat that game in like. It's not meant for super long playthroughs. Like, you start out like it's kind of depressing because then you start out and you pick your color of Yoshi mm -hmm. out of like it's like a spotlight comes down on a on a table and there's a bunch of Yoshi running around and you pick your one and put them in the world and like you just do your thing. <laughs> really. Yeah, but as you die, you don't get that one back. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, by the end of it, there's just fewer and fewer Yoshi on the table until there's only one, and you're like, oh, shit. And then the game, you get game over, and then you gotta start over again. That sounds endearing. That sounds uh, great. It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, it was a really fun game. I haven't thought about that in years, but uh, the comments you had on Okami, I was like, yeah, nobody I know has played it, though. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if it was, like, rare or whatever, but, like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think the game is rare. It did get a remaster, so it... It was also available in Smash Bros. too. Uh, Marvel vs. Capcom. Was it? Oh, yeah, that's right. Fuck. I don't know if it's in Smash Bros., though. I can't no, confirm. No, no, I think, I think I'm wrong. I, I think you're 100% right. Yeah, that was my team. It was Dante, Virgil, and Amorazzi. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Holy shit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was Team Capcom. I, I never... I very rarely use Marvel characters in Marvel vs. Capcom. Depends. Like, uh, I used Dante, Virgil, and uh, 
in Iron Fist, I think, for oh, Iron yeah. 3. Or Dante Virgil in Zero is my dream team. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I, I did use Zero, yeah. That's it very badass. And yeah. voiced by the same dude that uh, did uh, Ichigo's voice. In... Yeah, Jung Young Bosch, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's amazing. Mm-hmm. I hear his voice all the time. The uh, One of the original Black Power Rangers, too. So mm. He was Adam. I believe his name was Adam, yeah. And the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next one I kind of want to breeze over because the other two are kind of bigger for me. So the next one I kind of want to breeze over. Um, Bioshock 2. Do you like Bioshock at all? I do. I like all of them. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, Bioshock 2 wasn't received well and it was... Fucking why? <laughs> well, so the feedback that I got and some of the reviews I read... Um, are exactly the reason why I think it's a good game. <laughs> so okay. it's, it's an interesting thing. Um, so people thought that Bioshock 2 felt like it didn't have a impactful story. It didn't feel like that game was actually relevant. And especially when you come off of Bioshock, which is a pretty heavy title, yeah, um, definitely. Bioshock 2 felt lackluster in comparison. But the developers actually talked about that game, and they're like, well, Bioshock 2 was meant to be a game where it's for those people who really like Rapture and just want to explore more of Rapture. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what that game was about. It was just meant to see more of like that world that we created, you know? Um, Which is deserving. Rapture's yeah, a ab- cool place, absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, I can see that where maybe the story wasn't as impactful, but that's okay. <laughs> I, I don't see that as a negative because I, I am the right market for that. Where it's like, yeah, I'd love to see more of Rapture. That's fucking awesome. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm on board. Sign me up. Yeah, I mean, and Bioshock was, uh, it's one of the few FPS games I like, so. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to it, and it was gritty, man. Mm -hmm. Like, I played very briefly at a friend's house, I played, um, it's like, the name of the game was Road to Fiddler's Green, it was a big zombie game for PC, um, super gritty first-person shooter, I think, like, same era as, uh, Vampire the Masquerade. Mm, okay. Same era as that. So like super gritty in your face shooter game. Yeah. Like had that weird like you could do things like if you read magazines like read a tattoo magazine, like had an article about like kung fu, like you get kung fu tattoos. Oh shit. You start beating ass like that. It's awesome. But yeah, it kind of had that same feel to me. Like yeah. I'm gonna shoot this crazy substance into my veins and do powers now because why not? You know, I mean, I think the gameplay was very smooth. I mean, I, I liked it, um, especially when you could upgrade your weapons more because mm-hmm. the guns did start off feeling very clunky to me. Yeah. But as you upgrade them, like, they feel better and better. I think that's kind of the point. It's like, totally, you yeah. know, I feel like that is part of the gameplay loop. So uh, knowing that it made, like, my final opinion, like, I'm not mad about it. I get it. And I think that, you know, again, like, the clunkiness kind of added to the horror feel because it's like when you're struggling to reload a weapon or it's like i really need to fucking hit this guy here but like my gun's jerking all over the place like i think it added to that feel so i'm okay with it yeah um and it it helped the player fantasy reward thing where it's like okay i've upgraded this gun it's not shaky anymore like this feels really good yeah um Uh, it, it was rewarding yeah and the horror aspect like i remember going through the surgical wing the first time oh yeah i was like holy Fuck, this it's is just awesome. masterfully it's a masterfully told story i really um i did not i thought nothing of it um 
the the like mid game like twist reveal. I thought mm-hmm. nothing of it. I was like, son of a bitch, he has been saying that the whole fucking game. Yeah. Um, they did kind of tip their hand a little bit, um, and I started to suspect half of that twist because there's that audio log when you're like going through uh, trying to get to Andrew Ryan, mm-hmm. the audio log of like your character as a little kid, and I was like, oh, I bet I'm that little kid. Yeah. <laughs> Like they, I think they tipped their hand a little bit there. Mm-hmm. I was like, I bet on that little kid. Um, but still, the phrasing did not stick in my mind at all. And I was like, oh fuck, he has been saying it the whole goddamn game. Like, yeah, such a good story, man. Yeah, man. And like having to have like an Irish accent like that, that fits. Like that, that's like a phrase you would expect like a nice Irish man to say, pretty mm-hmm. much. So it worked. Yeah, masterfully done. Very, very good story. Yeah, I love that shot. Yeah. Uh, the next one I have, maybe a little bit like still brief, but uh, depends how you feel about Lord of the Rings. So uh, I I really like the Shadow of War slash Mordor games. Um, oh shit! Uh, they're fun, kind of. Uh, as it's been pointed out to me by my other friend he's very in Lord of the Rings um he doesn't like them because he doesn't feel like any of that stuff could have possibly happened and so it he he's a very purist with the canon basically mm-hmm. my, as, you, as you should be my, my thing is that um I think they're cool still like it may not be canon but like it's kind of like a treat to explore a world you like so much um without really knowing how the story is going to end uh, yeah because you know you could play uh, and they had uh, lord of the rings games as well um yeah i mean they're okay like there was that one that was kind of like uh the Baldur's gate i can't remember what that one was called but i played that one a little bit um but that's kind of my point it's like you could play a game where like your aragorn legolas gimli like frodo sam whatever you could mm-hmm. play a game like that but you know how the story is going to end yeah. So uh, I think that them going with an original character in like a different canon was a really smart move because you don't know how that story's going to end. You, you don't know. Boy, do I have a pen for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this is going to be brief for me, but I guess not for Matt. So. <laughs> My pen. Okay. So what you just talked about, about, you know, playing through as the characters and knowing how the story ends. There's a game. I played it for original Xbox where it's a turn-based RPG set in Lord of the Rings. It's the Third Age? I believe so. That game's really good. Yeah, I love yeah, that game. Yeah, same, same, same thing, yeah. Yeah, because, like when you actually go to Moria, you see the skeleton fall that Pippin pushes over. Yeah. And that starts your own conflict down there. Yes. Great game. Yeah. I loved that game. That was a uh, that was yeah, same feeling why I like that game. It's mm-hmm. an original enough of a story where like you maybe like following like under like around the fellowship and like the main canon but you don't know what the fuck's gonna happen to these characters like yeah, they could die they could survive they could become like there's like this whole thing where like you could become like a you could get like the ring wraith armor and like become corrupted for like your your dude who uses the sword and shield like yeah that was a whole thing you could uh there's a semi-alignment system in that game where you could be like i'm gonna use this dark magic on my elf chick because i can um, like there was a semi kind of thing with that. I thought that was really cool, and I like that you also got the um, the reverse side missions where you could play as the bad guys. That was yeah. really cool too. Um, 
And that game's just a very solid turn-based RPG too. Yeah, it's, it's super fun, good. So. But again, you're like one of five people I've ever that's ever even heard of that game that I've talked mm-hmm. to. It's great. Yeah, it's great that you've played that. Like that's super cool. That game in Dead or Alive Four is pretty much my my soundtrack to sixth grade. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. It's like that persona thing where it's like you understand that a little bit better now. Yeah. <laughs> like totally. our social link just went up a little. <laughs> yeah, we leveled up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's just my opinion. And also, um, so I dislike them, the the Shadow of War games. I mm-hmm. dislike them for the same reason I don't like uh, Lords of the Shadow very much. I feel like it did kind of pull from different games, and it's just a Franken monster of like good mechanics in other games. Yeah. The the cat. Oh, sorry. I mean, the, uh, well, all I'm gonna say, like, just parry, like what you what you're saying, it just it wasn't fun to play. Okay. That that's what I didn't like about it. Like story, whatever. It just to me wasn't fun to play. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. yeah I mean, that's that's fine. <laughs> uh, just uh, I guess like a tag along to that, uh, or what I was saying originally. Um, yeah. yeah. No. Um, it, it was kind of a Franken monster, but I do think that like so it pulled like the fighting from like Ar- Arkham Asylum. Um, it pulled the Assassin's Creed thing with like the towers and all that. Mm. Um, I think that. It was less bloated than Lords of Shadow was, where it was. It just took like basically two or three combat mechanics from other games and focused really heavily on those. They were great. I liked them. I thought they were good. Um, it's it you know it's okay to take an idea from something, just don't fuck it up pretty much. And you got to kind of make it your own thing. And it, the stealth at least was really fucking cool. And besides, uh, be be real about it. You know, like uh, that third age game is really fun. Mm-hmm. But like, wouldn't you want to fight like a bunch of orcs like sword to sword like? Totally. Totally, that's how you'd want to do it. Like, it makes perfect sense. Um, so that's another one that just... I, I think it is probably purists who don't like it more so. Um, I think that's why, why it was um, not really received well. Um, I know the second one was received poorly because they had, like, a, a loot box thing inside the game, basically. But, like, I didn't mind it because you don't have to spend money on it. Mm. The in-game currency... I guess is what technically is. Um, you get that in fucking troves if you just play the game. Yeah. So like you don't you don't need to spend. You never have to pull out your credit card. Like. Yeah, that was never my complaint with it. Like I said, it just it. I'm not a big stealth guy anyway, and mm-hmm. to me it felt like such a mandatory mechanic. I was like, nah, dude, I just want to cut through hordes. My my girlfriend played that game without stealthing at all. She's terrible at stealth games. So, oh, <laughs> like nice. you don't you don't have to like you can kind of customize yourself to be like a swordsman too like. That's that's the angle I was going to, but again, like it just didn't have the draw for me. Yeah, I just didn't care enough. Yeah. Like that's that's totally fine, but you know, for me, I think it earns a place on this list because I think it's underrated. I think it's a cool game. You know, um, I own them. Like, yeah, I, I do too. Yeah, yeah if it matters. I <laughs> yeah. own them. Um, so uh, my my last one is kind of a biggie for me because it goes into a lot of the other stuff we've talked about, mm-hmm. and I'll try and make it quick so that episode's not like a million hours long. <laughs> um, so uh, Kingdoms of Amular. Never played it. Um, so, uh, Arya Salvatore wrote The World, which I really love. He's probably cool. my favorite author. Um, he Basically, he did what George R. R. Martin did for Elden Ring. He, he wrote The World, and then like the game developers built on top of that. Oh, neat. Um, and it was, it's, yeah. Um, it is a more of a sandbox game than an open world game. Okay. Um, but it does have open world feel to it. So it's a sandbox. Like it's has the illusion of being big, basically. Um, but th- 
that's kind of why I like it because not only does it have like a great character progression path, um, every single area you go to, there's a bunch of side quests you can do, mm. but all the areas are centralized. They really double down on making this one area good. Each area you go to is good. It's not this massive world you have. It's just like it's a it's a pretty big world, but it's not like this huge Skyrim world. Mm. Um, pretty much everything I talked about hating about open world games is not present in this game. Really? Yeah, like it's a really big one for me for that reason. And I'm I'm sad because they made this game and the studio went bankrupt because it just did not sell well. Oh no. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, it, it's kind of a success story later on because uh, they did do a remaster recently. Um, I think another studio bought the rights to it, remastered it. Um, I, I, I happily rebought it. I was like, sure, I'd love to see a shinier version of this game. It's, mm. it's, it's great. It was originally on PS3, so there's a PS4 version of it now. The only thing I'm iffy on is that there's also a DLC for it now, and I'm like, mm, I don't know if like this new studio put the same love and care and attention into the story as those originally put into it. So I'm very iffy on the DLC. I have not bought it. I haven't even played the game all the way through again, but I'm, I'm very iffy on it. But it is a success story to me that it was remastered in the first place. Someone cared enough about it to be like, I'd like to remaster that. So that always feels good. But no, I mean, the story is super interesting. Um, you can make your own weapons. Like you can level up your crafting enough to like make really good, like, you can make your dream sword in that game or your dream whatever in that game. Like, I want my big-ass sword that has, like, fire and ice on it with, like, fucking whatever, you know? Really? You can do that, yeah. Um, the character progression is, like, kind of old-school D&D, like, inspired, um, which makes sense. Salvatore's mm -hmm. a big nerd. Um, mm -hmm. uh, like, my favorite thing about it is that so you can be playing, like, standard, like, fighter guy, um, and you decide that, like, I'd like to learn magic. Um, it's not as simple as, well, I'm a fighter, now I can use magic. They actually have a progression path for that, and it changes your name. Like, now you're a rune knight or an arcane knight or whatever it's fucking called. Mm -hmm. Like, it progresses down that path. And, like, you can do whatever character combination you want to, but they have a path for it. And it's super fucking cool. Like, it, it caters to, like, what kind of playstyle you want to have. And it feels really good. And, like, it doubles down on that because you can wield um, two different weapons. So you can kind of like pick, like, okay, I have my staff on my back, my longsword in my hand, like, whatever, you know, and mm. I'll, I'll switch to my staff to do magic, whatever. Um, very, very fun. And the stealth is much more rewarding to me in that game. I'm a big stealth guy. Um, yeah, it's it's leaps and bounds right in Skyrim ever will be. <laughs> really? Yeah, 100%. Um, and it just, yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the one that hurts the most for me is because, like, it the studio went bankrupt. Like, it did not make the money at Damn. all to stand on its own legs and i just it i don't understand why <laughs> was it just like not marketed well or that could be part of it i don't know the whole story i've heard of this game before that could be part of it i don't know the whole story um i i part of me thinks it's kind of a this is super fucking indulgent on me probably but mm. i think it's kind of like a you know flying too close to the sun story I think that they put all their money into making this game as good as possible, and then the return just was not what they put into it. Mm -hmm. um, and I, it sucks. I think that's kind of the thing we've talked about in the last few episodes. Is like, it's what game developers deal with nowadays. Like, do you make what people want, or do you make like what you want to make and like do what you can to make it good? Um, good games don't get enough love. I guess that's just kind of the point. 
Yeah, I I think that's like the whole general feel of the of this whole episode. Like, I I think people are afraid to know what they want, <laughs> so y- it's hard to give them what they don't know that they want. If that makes any sense yeah. at all. Yeah, I don't know, but that's that's my list. So I I think I had like five extra games. I'm sorry. Oh no, you're <laughs> good. <laughs> Yeah. Um, part of these were added because, like I said, I was doing research. I was like, are you kidding me? That game sold poorly? Like, fuck this. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> I have to talk about that now. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, that's that's so these are my, my games. Um, I'm sure there's more. But, uh, yeah, those are my games that just – or our games, I should say. Yeah, totally. Our games that, uh, yeah, we really love that people hate. So, you know, the point of this episode is that, like, you know, we've ragged on pe- things people like. Um, it's okay to like whatever the fuck you like. Yeah. Um, I also encourage you, though, any of these games we talked about, go play them. 100%. Or if you have played them already, go play them again with what we've talked about and kind of see if you can see where we're coming from. Because, you know, at least to us, these are something special. So. 100%. Yeah, like all, gems, all of them. Gems. Yeah. It's, I guarantee you would not see stuff like this in current-gen gaming. No. Yeah. Like, I, I, that's why I think there hasn't been another Star Fox game. People just don't want that anymore. Yeah. I, I guarantee if they make another Star Fox game, mark my words, it will be open world. <laughs> Uh, well, I think that's everything I had to say. Do you? Yeah, dude, that's uh, that's everything. Yeah, for me. so it's gonna be a long episode. Um, next episode, same vein, different feel. So stay tuned for that. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, cool sign off rates. Cool sign off rates.